Here's your chance to the dangerous princess bitch chance. That's pretty good. Alright, alright. For someone who doesn't like the movie very much, it's pretty good that you remember the fucking song. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Listen to him, folks. He hates it. So trash him on Instagram. Dangerous. At Dangerous. I don't know. He's not at Dangerous. I don't even remember your Twitter handle. <laughs> but he's Dave's never on social, so... Actually, he hangs out in the Facebook group, so... If you want to stalk Dave, then, then go there. I'm on that anti-social network. Anti-social network. Holy crap. Funny. Ah... Uh. Um, look, I got a lot of movies on my list, man. I do too, man. Say like, like sports more, movies, I, you just get. I don't know what it is. The blood starts flowing, and movies I get got added like to the 11, list. Eleven, and I cut down. Like, there's a lot more I could mm. put on here. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and this is all just off the top of my head. Movies, if I saw them on TV, I would have to stop. Like, let's say I was doing chores on a Sunday, dishes on a Sunday, cooking breakfast, would stop, have right. to watch the movie. You know what I mean? It's It pops up, gotta sit down, gotta watch it. And nobody does that anymore. Nobody stops to watch something on their actual television. They queue it up, right. they download it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I had an experience the other day, actually, for like the first time in forever, when I was at my father-in-law's and um, for Easter. Like, we popped on... He popped on Django Unchained all of a sudden. <laughs> that's a weird movie to come into the middle of. Oh, man. Probably. The what awkward part like, where they're talking about the difference in skulls. Hmm? When they're talking about the gen- oh, the genetic science of like the late 1800s and the right. argument about the different skulls. I mean, if you're walking into an Easter Sunday dinner and that's the scene you walk into, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was even worse than that. It was the beginning scene with Leonardo DiCaprio having two uh, two slaves go at it and kill each other. Oh. The Mondo fight scene? Yeah. Uh, I forgot how bonkers that movie is. Uh, it's pretty gnarly out there. I mean, I mean, look. Tarantino does things for cinematic purposes. So for him to argue that it's the history of the history, the history of the bloody country that we live in, blah, 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 blah. He's doing it for the sensation and the exploitation. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's, like, arguing he's a history buff and this is the only history of America or whatever and accept it and this all this stuff happened. The reason for him to incorporate it into a movie is obviously for the sake of making the movie, you know? Like, right. uh, he gets on a pretty high horse when he's in these um, really awkward... I don't know, did you watch any really awkward interviews about that? Where, right. <laughs> where they were trying to gauge whether he was... It, exploiting or just giving like a historical record of what happened right you know um yeah no uh i i've seen him have some awkward interviews and he he tries to um what's what i'm looking for uh, justify a lot of his bullshit yeah he's definitely like drinking his own kool-aid you know what i mean like just Whoa. just say like you just did because it, it was cool and then let's move on because that's at the end of the day what you did 
Yeah, I mean, that would be more accurate. Like, he, he's like, oh, I read something terrible. I can't believe it's part of real history, but I put it in my movie because I got, there's no other word for it, excited. You know what I mean? Like, he could have said, yeah. I went off on a tangent, and I included it in the movie. I'm a filmmaker. It's not my job to judge one way or the other. It's just my job to represent it in a visual medium. You know, you know what I mean? End of story. But it was like a uh, a hot discussion for, I don't know, probably that whole year, really. Right. Um, this is not the way I wanted our sports movie discussion to go. <laughs> but to, uh, yeah, he hasn't made a movie. Oh, a sports uh, movie, anyways. Yeah. You count Inglorious Bastards and the Bear Jew with the baseball bat, but... Oh, no, no. It would be kind of cool to see Tarantino do, like, a sports betting movie or something. That would be kind of interesting. Like, what's his take on on sports movies? Well, you know, I didn't put it on here, but, like, you know what director did... Uh, what director did a sports movie that you wouldn't expect from? It was uh, Sam Raimi did um, For the Love of the Game with Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah, that is kind of random, huh? That's like a director for hire project. I wonder if Ramey's like, oh, I heard Costner's doing this, and uh, I, I have a chance to do it. I better I better call my agent back. Or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember where that fell. He just decided he wanted to try a sports movie. or Because, hell, even um, The Quick and the Dead, at least that was, had his stamp on it. It felt like a Sam Raimi movie. Oh, man, speaking of agents, though, like all these backdoor deals are starting to come out in the regular press now about how it, how it actually goes down. Like your agent has like a special relationship with a studio or... A filmmaker, right. and that determines whether or not you get paid as a screenwriter, or they develop your project. I mean, this and this is well. I mean, this has been going on since the bullpen days. But like, um, for them to actually talk about it in the conversation is kind of really fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're rattling everybody's skeletons out now. You know? Well, <laughs> speak, well, you know what that comes down to, like package deals and all that shit. That's uh, yeah. Well, that's been common practice forever. Speaking of package deals, this movie sounds like one of those. <laughs> you got somebody that represents Michael Jordan. Yeah. Loves money. Oh, <laughs> uh, you well, yeah. I mean, like, okay. So what? What gets this movie made? We want to advertise Looney Tunes. We want to have an autobiography about Michael Jordan's career, and Michael Jordan's in it. Like, so you know, Bill Murray and the guy from Seinfeld definitely did this movie because it's Michael Jordan doing the movie, and they got to hang out with Michael Jordan. Like, that's. Like, that's the reason you sign on to Space Jam, right? It's, I guess, is like is Bill Murray known as like a big sports guy? or Oh, he's a major sports fan. Major oh, really? sports fan. Um, I don't know how much he's into ba- basketball. He's really into... I know he, he isn't super into basketball. Don't know about football, but he's a outspoken baseball fan. And he's um, obviously like a major golf... Like, he's like a professional celebrity golf player. Um, him and his brothers are like professional golfers, but um, which again, that's like the the most Pell sport you can play, I guess <laughs> we can say. Like, uh, you know, you definitely you definitely have two regular mortgages and a reverse mortgage and several cars if you play golf on a regular basis. I mean, that might be a stereotype, but in my in my in my mind, that's what I fantasize a typical golfer to be. You know, <laughs> a certain demographic. Let's say that, right? Like, uh. Um, I don't even know where to start. Like, clear, like I have probably more baseball movies on here, which baseball and um, boxing come up a lot. Yeah, baseball and boxing do come up a lot. Um, Presently, golf. Yeah, which is random for me. Yeah. Um, and then there's some movies that you can question whether or not they did, they 
they're a sports movie or they're they're a mix. They're such a mashup that they could be included in like a subcategory, right? And then I and then I was sitting here thinking like, okay, how much of the sport is played in the movie? Case in point, I did not put Jerry Maguire on here, which he categorizes as a sports movie, but I see that as more like a romantic comedy or a drama that happens to have I, sports I in the background. Like, like the sports is just a plot device. You know what I mean? Um, so, so I kept it off. Uh, it almost made the list, though. And then, you know, but I do have Filled of Dreams on here. Kevin Costner. another What I consider another baseball movie. Right? Like, it talks about the White, Sa- White Sox scandal and gives baseball stars that have fallen out of the limelight a second chance, albeit in the afterlife. Spoiler alert, but the movie's been out for like 40 years. Can't really ruin it. He builds a baseball field in his farm that's going under and the bank's about to seize it. And essentially they show up to play baseball. It's like a second chance for everybody. Yeah. It's a great movie. It really is. Oh my god. Well, I think we've talked about it before, but like it has one of the... Uh, I don't... Uh, just chokes you up moments like, hey, Dad, have a catch? Ah, oh, man, yeah. I was just watching an interview like Kevin Costner like um, doing like the anniversary interviews, right? Uh, they were asking about a couple of his movies. Like that's what YouTube is good for. I mean, there's these these video channels where they go and they'll catch a star and they'll ask them like a round of questions about like, hey, here's the pinnacle, here's the highlights of your career. And then if you don't have time to watch his movies, at least you get to hear him talk about the stuff he did, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and that came up like how they turned that one little tiny moment into the 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 centerpiece of Act Three, and like the whole movie builds to that one moment. Like, you know, like you think it's about first you think he's building the baseball field to save his farm. Then you think he has the baseball field to save his daughter. Then you think he has the baseball field to put the ghost to rest or whatever that got, like, shortchanged when they were alive. And then you find out the entire movie is just about him getting one last chance to connect with his father, who's estranged from from his life. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, you know, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but I guess I never really broke it down. Like, I've just seen that movie and just accepted it for what it is, but I never uh, broke it down to its base elements. <laughs> yeah. And those are the best movies, man. Think about it. Like, the ones that have won Best Picture of a certain, for certain reasons, like, they're not really overcomplicated stories. They just hit the right elements at the right times and come together in the, in a right way to, to catch everybody, you know? Right. Like pizza. So, um, I don't know, man. Do you want to, like, uh, maybe uh, divide it by sport? Or, like, we... You're, no, you're just do one sport. for one. One for one. Somebody will say a movie, and then you you right. you, you give your two things, and then I'll, I'll throw my... Okay. You know? Well, um, I think I, I think about half, half as many as you, so I will just kind of plow along. Um, and these are in no particular order. Um, Sandlot. Fuck yeah, mm-hmm. Sandlot, dude. Everybody knows the Sandlot. Everybody knows the Sandlot, and I can appreciate a sports movie that's like a about kids. So like coming of age stories where kids are playing sports is kind of like I don't I don't know if it's true in other countries, but it's definitely an American pastime. American right. boys coming up, like we go through things, and, and like we go through adolescence, and part of that is is caught up in playing sports in those pastimes. So uh, that's a good pick. Yeah, um, that, you know, that's where you gather your friends, and uh, you know, like that. It, that's that age. Um, early middle school or late I, well, elementary. I'd like to believe the filmmakers of Sandlot or the writers were inspired by Bad News Bears in 1976 with Walter Matthau. 
Ah, I, just have, I <laughs> totally skipped that one. Because <laughs> that's no, the no. pinnacle Little League movie for me, but uh, it, I think maybe that was the start of the ornery, out-of-control kid sports movie, right? Cause it, I'd, I'd say it's definitely a godfather. Though. Yeah, well, cause it, because there's definitely, like, um, formulaic highlights of the sports kids movies. You tell me if you agree or not. Like, um, in sports kids movies, they're, like, the outcasts or the rebel kids, but then they mm-hmm. find their place by being champions of the game they're playing. You know? Right. Like, they find their place is generally those movies. Well, it's also one of the rare movies, like, kind of like, um, like Rocky. Where you got you like for people who for haven't seen it forever, they they lose the big game. Yeah, see see the list is unveiling itself, Dave. We're just following a natural rhythmic pattern here, because Rocky Three is on my list. It's and the reason I go to Rocky Three is how I compiled the sports movie list was I tried to go with my gut reaction. If any of the Rocky movies are on TV, will I stop? Maybe, but will I be guaranteed to stop if Rocky Three is playing? Yes, because. You can follow either path in this movie. You can watch, you can watch um, Mr. T's journey because he wants it bad and he's hungry to, to be in Rocky's position and never really got his chance. Granted, he's a little more aggressive about how he goes about it, but whatever. He's an honest. He's honest. He's completely honest, and he and he's like Rocky from the original Rocky. And then Rocky has lost the eye of the tiger and's got to get it back. And it has the best freeze frame montage that everybody will be talking about forever him running down the beach with apollo creed man <laughs> you know what i mean like, like it's the most gay hetero movie moment in like the history of cinema like until rocky four <laughs> like until rocky four uh like well what's just funny about the sports movies too is like you will question your heterosexuality your bisexuality you're homosexual. You'll question it all, but you'll be okay with it because the movies are entertaining. You'll just go for the ride. You're gonna doubt it. And you know what? If somebody out there just got felt awkward by what I just said, or your response, you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna go turn on a sports movie and watch guys just beat each other up for an hour and a half and have a beer and go to bed, and they're gonna feel yeah. justified. In the whole they might experience. find a they might find a movie where guys wrestle, you know, with oh. with masculine like the wrestler. <laughs> well, dang, nice or like Vision Quest, you know, high school wrestling, also Pinnacle, also one of Madonna's worst movies. Uh, Matthew Modine's best movie. Who is he? Well, probably you kids out there probably know him as the first villain from Stranger Things, but he's been a lot. He's also in Full Metal Jacket and yeah. Uh, he was a thing in the late nine, or excuse me, late eighties, early nineties. Ah, oh, see, you almost said late nineties, and I was gonna go, yeah, Varsity Blues, and any given Sunday, two football movies you can do, take a look at. And now there's an FBI investigation named after Varsity Blues. <laughs> I, I contemplated rewatching Varsity Blues just for that yeah. reason, but I I didn't get to fit it in before this. Oh man, <laughs> I haven't seen it since like two thousand or ninety nine, whenever it came out. I guess we can cluster some of these. Oh. We were talking about the kids' movies. I should have dropped Mighty Ducks too, but I didn't. That's a that's like the favorite. Like a lot of people like really respect that movie. Like uh, sports figures like really love that movie for some reason. Part two, two Mighty Ducks the first two. One. Yeah, because Mighty Ducks two um, is kind of based on like the nineteen eighties rivalry between the United States and Russia. But in Mighty Ducks two, it's the junior hockey league versus like Iceland or something. But right. 
the hockey is taken very seriously in that movie. Right. But of if course, we're gonna, if we're gonna bunch up like hockey movies, I'm gonna kind of uh, bunch up, you know, Happy Gilmore. It's kind of also a golf movie, but yeah. <laughs> you know, technically it's hockey. It's technically hockey though. It's kind of both. It's kind of both. Because um, he plays with a hockey stick. So if you don't want to watch the preteen adolescent side, but I mean, Mighty Ducks Two is a great movie, and it's Emilio Estevez probably at his best playing Coach Bombay, and uh, and I like it better than the original. Like, I feel like the original had a lot of growing pains for the concept, but Mighty Ducks 2 is actually, like, to me, a sequel that's better than the original. Um, and then Slapshot, if you want to go to the other end of the spectrum, if you want, like, a more adult um, hockey movie with Paul Newman, that set that industry standard until, like, the movie Goon came along, but Goon's not on my list, because if I have to pick one hockey movie for the rest of time, then it's probably going to be Slapshot. I gotta get. I gotta get around to watching Slapshot. Oh my supposed to be a classic. God. Now David's breaking hearts. It hasn't seen. Yeah, but think about it this way. It gives me an opportunity. To okay, there you uh, go. Um, it's not hockey, but I'm gonna go with Blades of Glory. Another. Comic, mm. you know, Good. That'll skating. that'll set me up for for two of mine. Um, so that's figure skating. It's male figure skating specifically. It's really right. funny. There's they incorporate Queen music and a electric dance flight fight thing at the end which is pretty funny um <laughs> but it has a training montage um which is a parody of a training montage in a movie called cutting edge which is about a da- uh, like an injured hockey player that becomes a figure skater because they get this idea that somebody who has the intensity of a hockey player will somehow be able to manage this diva figure skater who's like a Tanya Harding type, <laughs> but 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 rich instead of instead of poor, but that brings up I Tanya. See see how I did that, Dave. I just oh, rounded the bases. I just fucking rounded the bases there. That. That's such a good <laughs> fucking movie. I never even thought about it. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like again, the front runner was Cutting Edge because how many movies about figure skating are, are there that are, that take it seriously and tell you a good story about it? Right. And then and like I said, Cutting Edge was the gold standard until I Tanya came out a couple years ago. You know, I thought of it so much as a biography, I just never... Duh, it's right there. It's a fucking figure skating movie. Right. Such a good movie, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's going to be no easy transition. I missed a hockey movie ah, on here. well, I got one. Uh, you got kind one? of like in the vein of... Uh, Itania's kind of like... Uh, oh, well, hell, if we want to talk about winter sports, we can talk about cool runnings. Oh, shit, that's on my list, too. Yeah. Jamaican bobsled team. And this is not made up. Unlike the Trinidad hockey team in Mighty Ducks 2, and quick shout out to Trinidad because apparently they're listening to our podcast, which is really funny, <laughs> but uh, whatever. Um, there's a real Jamaican bobsled team that, uh, there's a lot of people that fall from grace. See, there's like a running theme, like uh, an athlete that falls from grace gets a second chance. This right. guy was an Olympic contender on an American bobsled team, cheated, and then 30 years later in real life, this is real guys, you, you look this story up. He was in Jamaica, I don't know, hanging out, and somebody found out who he was, and, and they wanted to change their sport from Olympic running to Olympic bobsleds, and they, they almost won. They almost won the Olympics. Yeah, they got so, pretty far up there. Yeah. Um, and they won the respect of everybody else that had been competing in it for, like, you know, however long it has existed. Um, talking about underdogs, I'll jump right into my next baseball movie on my list, Brewster's Millions. And again, does it have another category? Of course. It can be considered a drama because if you look at comedies from the 70s and 80s, some of them are pretty dramatic. 
Like, right. some of them have these really dark moments, and Brewster's Millions has some seriously depressing moments, but is also very funny. But it's actually my favorite um, Richard Pryor movie, next to, like, maybe Moving or something. And there's oh, also one where he's a school bus driver, but uh, Brewster's Millions, I don't know why I love this movie so much. He's a guy, he wants to be a Major League Baseball player. He's in the minor league in some, like, little town baseball team. He inherits all this money from an uncle he didn't know he had, and the whole concept of this movie is he's got to spend a portion of it in so many days to get the rest of it. It's like a game his uncle's playing with him about greed or whatever. And he arranges a baseball game with, is it like, the, is it the Yankees or the Mets? Do you remember? I think, uh, I couldn't tell you. It's been years since I've seen it. Maybe the Yankees? Yeah. Um, so he, he, but he arranges a game with like a major league team because he thinks his team is good enough to take them on. And he thinks he personally is a good enough player. Like he always felt like he could have been in the major leagues and I was like, that's the chance he missed out in life. And there's a moment in this movie where I don't know how Richard Pryor did this, but you look at him as his character and you feel like you're watching him process the fact that he's not good enough. That he realizes as his character, he's not good enough. And the movie seems, seems, the moment seems so genuine and real. Like, we harp and harp about remakes, about like, don't make this movie, like, it's like the Bible of a certain type of movie. You just don't, you don't remake it. Like, it's like a treasure, you just leave it alone, right? Mm-hmm. But I would watch another Brewster's. But I don't know if you would ever hit that moment. Obviously, like, that might be unique to either the director or... Or maybe it was Richard Pryor, or something was going on that day. Like, I don't know. I would love to know what happened that day, but, you know, they didn't really document films the way they do now. Like, everybody loves the behind the scenes, and that's technology, right? You're running a second camera behind the scenes, and you're doing interviews, and you're putting them online. I would love to know how they got to that moment that day. But, of course, I don't know if everybody watching the movie is going to be looking for these things. When I watch movies, those are the things I'm looking for. You know right. what I mean? I don't know, but it, I recommend everybody watch Brewster's Millions. It's a good one. I haven't seen that in years. Um, I might um, stick with baseball because I missed a hockey movie called Mystery Alaska, again, about underdogs trying to hold up against the big guys and see what they can do. Um, well, underdogs in baseball, you got um, Moneyball. Yes. Kind of a fairly – and that's actually one of Brad Pitt's best performances is Billy Bean. Oh, and that's the movie that they make fun of Jonah Hill for being nominated for, right? Isn't that what he got his, his Oscar nomination for? Wasn't that Moneyball? Uh, was it that one or was it Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, fuck. I think he's been I'll twice s- nominated now, hasn't he? Maybe he's I think so. I think he was up for Moneyball because Brad but, Pitt was Yeah, up for I think Moneyball. you might be right. I think he was. Yeah, Billy Bean and the Oakland A's. It's like a third-rate team and they don't give him a lot of money to, to make... <laughs> To really run his team effectively, so he devises a mathematical system. Oh, by the way, that character Jonah Hill plays is like a an amalgam or whatever the however you pronounce that word. It's like he's like three or four people put together that were working on the system. He's not one person. Oh right. So he like Billy Bean is real. The the formula right. to to put the baseball team together in the computer using math that's real, but. They basically invented a character that Jonah Hill plays to explain that system to regular people. Like us, the audience, basically. Well, that's just, you know, screenwriting advice. You kind of have to do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, we've also got uh, A League of Their Own. Yeah, I skipped A League of Their Own, and I, I, I just wrote down Major League. 
thought you can't go wrong with that either. But no, League it's... of Their Own, I mean, I mean, it's, uh, if you don't know about it, it's also a true story about uh, what the female, um, when everybody went off to war, there was no baseball to be played because most of the players were off fighting. So they had female leagues. And yep. Kind of, they were the Georgia, not the Georgia Peaches, Rockford Peaches? Uh, I don't remember, actually. Well, they were the Peaches. I definitely know that. I can't remember what town they were from. <laughs> Um, that was a long pause, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was relating your baseball movie to mine. I was going to jump in and say, like, uh, uh, Major League, I watched that for the Tom Berenger story. I mean, it's got wild thing. I mean, you got Charlie Sheen in his best, um, and you got Wesley Snipes, in the, at least in the first movie. He gets replaced in the sequel. But he's playing Willie Mays Hayes, who can run. Like, everybody has really great talents, but they're kind of raw talent in the movie. Uh, or second chances. Like, uh, Tom Berenger comes up from playing in, like, I don't know, where is he playing? A different league or something in another country. And then comes up here, and he's a catcher, but his knees are blown. But he has, like, a romantic interest with Rene Russo. And he's, like, trying to put his life back together. And that's the reason to watch that movie. Again, I feel like the running theme with sports movies is the underdogs. Well, because people like to root for an underdog. Um, you know, um... Like Cinderella Man was boxing with a broken hand. Yeah. Well, we've also got The Fighter, which is mm. also like an underdog story. Or, you know, that guy... It's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, was he like... He was doing good, and then he was out of the game for a while, came back. It was like a comeback story. Which one are you talking about? The Fighter. Oh, two, two brothers. They live down in Lowell, Massachusetts, or whatever. They're famous in their town. Yeah, one was a boxer and then got hooked on crack. And then the little brother was coming up. And then he went to jail, cleaned his life up a little bit. And they're kind of like the unofficial mayors of their town or whatever. And then that, there was an actress who won, a movie, or won an award. They were nominated for that movie. Everybody in that movie was nominated for that. I think it's because yeah. they mastered the Boston accent. I don't know if they really deserve to win for their acting abilities, but... Um, for giving you a little slice of Massachusetts and all the mass holes, that was done pretty well. Um, if also, I mean, if we're going to stick with boxing for a moment, I still got I got Raging Bull, which uh, uh, De Niro, one of De Niro's best performances. And again, like sometimes you come across a movie that's overrated, and for me, that's one that falls into the overrated category. Really? Well, yeah. to each their own. <laughs> You're like, to each their own. Well, I mean, it's like, I'm not going to drag on the conversation to debate it. I love yeah. it as one of my favorites. But, and, you know. and I could say, I mean, the other day, not to throw you under the bus, as they say around here, but you were saying the other day that you felt like the Space Jam itself was overrated. And that might be true. But I feel like it was like Michael Jordan just telling you his life story, but he loves Bugs Bunny, so they're like, throw Bugs Bunny in here. But well, It's not that I, I felt it was over. Like, I, I owned the VHS when I was yeah. younger, but I mean, I haven't watched it in well over 20 years, and it just didn't hold up to my memory of it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, but if you like baseball players trying to act, there's another movie that came out recently that's pretty funny, Uncle Drew, which is based I on like heard, a series heard, of Nike I commercials. I heard that was good. It is good, seen. actually, yeah. The, the best basketball player that I've seen act is probably Shaq. Like, he has a sense of humor, and he's popped up in a lot of ridiculous movies, but, um, you know, oh, Michael Jordan play, was all right playing himself, but the animation actually looks good. Like I told you, like I saw like this high-definition of the movie the anime it doesn't look old but if you no, watch it on a dvd it looks old but the thing i saw technology wise it holds up really well yeah because um, i actually just watched uh who framed Roger rabbit recently too which i mean 
their the only connection is cartoons and humans, but uh, like even some of uh, Roger Rabbit, you can see like the scenes and shit. But uh, in Space Jam, it was pretty flawless. Yeah, but that's what's funny about like taking an old print from these movies and watching them like in a high def format. They actually still look amazing, but if you watch it on a compressed format like VHS or a DVD or if it's just playing on live TV, it looks like shit. Right. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny that way, anyway. Huh. You know what you're going to do? You're going to find out where else you can find binge watchers on the internet. It's a vast wasteland, but you know what? Let's point you in the right direction. You go to Facebook, at binge watchers. You can find our page there. Pretty awesome, cool stuff. A little video post, some funny things there. Also, episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can also check us out at Twitter, binge underscore watchers. And you can find my personal Instagram, at realjohntmay, on Instagram, of course. All right, have a good night, folks. We'll see you next time.